business, leadership, high performance, the journey. All right, everybody, welcome to the show. Uh, absolute pleasure to have our guest on uh, for today. And it's a, a funny story as to how we met, uh, which I'll get to in a minute. But today's guest is originally from Kalamazoo, Michigan, and now lives in the Twin Cities, Minneapolis area. And she is the coach of probably the most electric coach in the country right now in Minnesota Gophers head football coach, PJ Fleck. So I am honored to have on the show today uh, where we're going to talk a little bit about the Row the Boat brand, um, the challenges of being in the public eye, and really kind of uh, making sacrifices in life and, um, and her journey. So Heather Fleck, welcome to the show. Well, hi, Patrick. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah. Uh, so really excited to share uh, so much with the audience today, Heather, really around kind of your journey uh, growing up in Michigan and now being in the Minneapolis area and and really being in the public eye, uh, being a super busy mom of just how you handle all that as far as the spotlight, um, negativity that really comes uh, that comes with being in such a uh, uh, being related to such a prestigious position Um being married to PJ, Big Ten uh, football coach. And then I really want to dive into just the Row the Boat brand because um, I know everybody in the country, um, man, you, I my, literally my radio guy Spencer here and I were just talking about it before this, of how during uh, during the Super Bowl, you know, you see NFL players even rowing the boat and stuff after touchdowns and stuff. So it's, it's really, really neat, the, the whole phrase, how it's caught on. And I think a lot of people don't really know what's truly, truly behind it as far as the story um, and the good that it's really, really doing um, for so many. But um, first I have to tell our audience kind of how we first met, how this all kind of came to be. So last spring, um, I had listened to PJ was talking on John Gordon's Positive University podcast, which I absolutely love. And PJ, as as anybody listening to this and follows him knows, he's a huge, huge uh, proponent of culture. And he was talking about just his journey through uh, Western Michigan and on his way to Minnesota. And a quote stuck out um, that he had mentioned during that podcast. And the quote is, he was talking around the dream is the journey. And as he as he threw that out there and I started to think about it and I listened to him touch on that, I was just like, wow, this is just, this is absolutely golden because it doesn't matter if you are an entrepreneur, business owner, a parent, um, you know, it's so easy to forget sometimes that the dream of it all truly is found in the journey. You know, it's not in that destination at the end of the road. You know, whether you're talking football, it's not, it's not a national championship at the, at the end of the season, you know. As a parent, it's not about reaching certain certain milestones or a business owner hitting some certain milestone or benchmark or whatever it may be. You know, the success, the happiness, the fulfillment is truly found in that journey of anything. And anyway, after I listened to that podcast, I'm like, man, I got to get this up in my office. I have to get this quote up in my office. And I've been a huge, huge fan of, of, of uh, PJ for so long. I mean, I followed him since the Western Michigan days and stuff, but... Anyway, I started designing this canvas online, so I found a sweet uh, picture of the Minnesota stadium um, filled with fans and stuff, and I put his quote right on there, Dream is a Journey, PJ Fleck, um, had it created, had it sent to my house, put it up in my office, I snapped some pictures of it, posted it online, just talking real briefly about the quote, 
and I hashtag the heck out of this uh, post with, you know, Gophers and Row the Boat and PJ Fleck and everything Minnesota. And the next day, I remember I was driving to work and all of a sudden, boom, a message popped up on my Instagram. And I'm like, holy shit, it's Heather Fleck. <laughs> I'm like, you got to be kidding me. This is there's no way this could be her. And sure enough. Yeah, sure enough. It was you. And uh, asking, hey, where did you get that canvas? I want it. And I thought it was so, so cool uh, that, A, that you spotted it, B, that you reached out. And so long story short, uh, Heather and I started emailing back and forth a little bit, messaging back and forth. And I said, hey, I'll make you a deal. I'd love to send you one of these. So I had another canvas made, um, mailed it over to Heather and PJ. And I said, in exchange, I'd love to have have one of you guys, both of you, whoever can be on the podcast uh, to help kind of promote just what you guys are doing at Minnesota and the Row the Boat brand and everything, which I think is pretty neat. So, um, yeah, um, super uh, super fun story, just kind of how all this came to be. It was very cool. It was, uh, it's funny, of all the things that, that you know, my, my job is, my primary job is I coach the coach. And, you know, he's, he, his, every day he's got to keep everyone else's cup full and he's the motivator and he's the, if you ever met PJ, you would think that man has never had a hard or bad day in his entire life. That's just who he is. But he's also human. So when he comes home, there's times that, that he needs his cup to be filled. And it's funny, of all the things I've ever said to him, the dream is the journey is what has really stuck. And I love that he uses that because when we were at Western Michigan, you know, his, his dream was always to take that. When he first got there, it was to take that program and make it into something it had never been before. And then it was like, as he went through it, you know, he had a, a one in 11 year, which was like the worst year ever. He went through a divorce. He, the whole town hated him. They didn't understand row the boat. You know, what the hell does a boat have to do with a Bronco? And it was crazy. So that was an awful year. Then he went, had an eight and five year. Then he had a, another eight and five year. And then he had a 13 and one year. And I remember asking him, you know, what, what year, what was harder? Because as I watched him go through it, I felt like they were all just as hard. You know, one eleven was just as hard as thirteen and one, mm-hmm. and or thirteen and zero at the time. You know, we didn't lose until our bowl game. And I remember telling him, you know, part of your 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 dream is to coach in the Big Ten. You know, your dream is to to be at the Power Five level. And I'm like, but in the time in the process, you have to enjoy the process. If you're not enjoying what you're doing, why are you doing it? And I remember him. I remember him looking at me, going, "Oh my gosh, you're a hundred percent right." And he's used that ever since. And I think he's, it, it's resonated with him so much that he consciously makes an effort to remember that daily when, when things are hard, because every day is something, some new challenge, you know, nobody, nobody walks in his office, you know, a hundred times a day and says, coach, I'm just here to tell you, you're doing a great job. Everybody that walks <laughs> in has a problem or a fire to be put out or something. So it's, I'm glad that he has, he has used that and he's actually really embraced it and remembered that he's for one, very blessed and very lucky and very talented to be able to do the job that he does and to be able to touch as many lives as he does. But it truly is. I mean, if you don't enjoy this process as you go through it, you're going to look back in 20 years and be like, what did I do it for? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I know, I know you and I touched on this a little bit earlier um, this fall. You know, this season was a tough one for Minnesota too. You know, there was a lot of rebuilding to be done. Um, having some key players kind of in and out, um, not sure. I mean, man, especially with the COVID stuff, I mean, guys that were, 
um, opting out. And um, yeah, it was it was a it was a challenging one. And I remember you specifically saying in a message that you had written to me, you know, it's it's not easy being in the public eye. You know, there's a lot of negativity, and I know that's been a big challenge for you, Heather, as far as just how do you you know, how do you deal with that negativity? Because it is, you know, when, man, when you're, when you're at that level, it is, you, if you're winning, everything is great. And if you're not winning, man, it can be really, really difficult, I would imagine. And it shifts so quickly. It's amazing. You know, even when we first got here, we didn't, we didn't know anything about Minnesota. And let me start off with, I am Italian and Irish blood. So, if you know anything about that descent, we're, we're not good at, at biting our tongue or having to hold things in. We kind of speak our minds and, and you always know where you stand, which is a great yep. thing, but oh, we're super that. passionate and, and we have hearts of gold and that's just who we are. But it's also very hard to come into a new place where you know nothing about, you know, we didn't know. To be honest, people ask me, have you ever been to Minnesota? I'm like, um, I took a girl's trip here to the Mall of America once <laughs> and that's it. That's yeah. all I knew. So when we got here, we heard about, you know, it's all this Minnesota nice and people, the people are great and you're going to love it here. And when we first got here, we found that we found that there really is a such thing as Minnesota nice. There is also a such thing as Minnesota passive aggressive. And <laughs> Minnesota ice, really I believe hard. some people refer to that as. Yeah. Yes. And it's really hard to, you know, PJ is a, is a public figure. He's a state owned employee. So Everybody in the state of Minnesota contributes to his salary. So in a sense, they feel like they have some kind of ownership over him. So what that means is that if they see him in a restaurant or in a store, they feel like they can say whatever they want to him. So most of the time, it's really good. You know, year one was, was really good. It, it, you'd have the people that are like, man, I'm really excited about having you here. I've followed you at Western Michigan. I love what you're doing. I love the culture. I love your energy. Um, and then you have the people that, would stop them and be like, you know, I'm skeptical of you. I'm giving you one year. And it's like, oh, nice to meet you. Um, so that that part's hard because you, you don't ever know what you're going to get. And you have to just, I mean, you, you have to please everybody, right? And you're never going to please everybody. Mm-hmm. But everything you do is so public and it's so easily scrutinized. And you have to put it out. I mean, you can't, You it, it's no, I always tell PJ, it's no different. His position is no different as far as the stress is. And the responsibility um, as a big time CEO of a, of a company or it's all relative, right? Everybody, mm-hmm. everybody has their own issues and everybody has their own drive and everybody has quotas and numbers and all these things they have to meet. But not everybody has it on the front page of the paper when something goes wrong or something is good. So, I mean, to say it's a challenge is, is definitely an understatement. But I think once you once you kind of figure out how to do it. Now I always worked for myself and in customer service and I always knew how to deal with the public, but I never, as far as myself, but I never knew how to deal with somebody that attacks somebody that you love. So that's been a really, that, that's been a hard thing for me to, to have to adjust to. Um, I think everybody knows that I went after Roycey after two years of being here um, and kind of learned my lesson. I didn't, didn't realize that people paid attention as much as they do, but um, and I was very, very passive aggressive about it and just said, you know, I, I watched him for two years go out of his way to attack PJ in the program. And I, I finally just responded on Twitter and I was like, you know, why are you so negative all the time? You know, what is your issue with a guy that is literally giving his entire life to, to change and mm-hmm. shape the lives of young people for the better? And after like 2000 comments on the thing and 
it being on 24 seven and football scoop, I was like, Oh geez, people actually pay attention to what I do. So <laughs> it's, it's definitely been a challenge and it's definitely been a learning curve. And, you know, PJ was like, Heather, you know, you can't do that. <laughs> I'm like, I love, I dealt with it for two years. Like I, and I, I actually didn't say what I really wanted to say. Um, but I learned that I wasn't the only one that felt that way about him. So it was good because a lot of people came to, you know, PJ's defense and my defense. And they're like, you know, that's just, that's just media. And, I've learned that with media, people get paid on clicks. And for mm-hmm. whatever reason, negativity gets a lot more clicks than positivity, which is really sad and pitiful, but that's just the way it is. Yeah, it's it's unfortunate too, Heather. You know, you, when you look at PJ, you know I, know, I know a lot of people, even personally, I know people that are like, there's no way that guy can actually be like that. There's no way he can be that positive and so about culture and that much energy. You know, that guy has to have another side to him. You know, and I always laugh because I'm just like, ah, I don't know about that. You know, I thought so, the same thing. Yep. When I when I first met him, he spoke um, before I really knew who he. I mean, I knew of him. Obviously, he coached in the town that I lived in, and the company I worked for at the time had done a lot with Western Michigan. So, I, I was a football girl too. I grew up loving football. So, it, when you live in a small town like that, for one, you know, Western Michigan isn't very big, but it was the only thing to do. And I remember he came in and spoke when I heard about this new football coach coming into town in this row the boat. Remember he spoke to our group and I was like, first of all, why does this guy have so much energy at eight in the morning? And why is he yelling? Like, cause he's so, you know, he'll wake you up. He will wake you up. And I remember saying to myself, there is no way this guy's like this all the time. Like, there's no way he, he can't be this positive and this energetic. And the first time I spent five minutes with him, I was like, that's just really who he is. And I know people find that hard to believe and it's easy to, to drill holes in. And I'm not saying he's, he doesn't have hard days or bad days, but what you see is what you get with PJ. He wakes up like that. He goes to bed like that. He is, he is like the energizer bunny. There's, there's no off switch. There's no, I can turn him down a little bit. Like there's, there's days that he'll get home and I'm like, he knows if I call him coach at home, there's an issue. I'm like, Hey coach, <laughs> I love that. you're at like a 12 right now. I need you to be at like an eight for like five minutes. <laughs> and he's like, okay, okay. But that's just, that's just who he is. There's, there's what you see is what you get. There is nothing fake about PJ Fleck at all. Yeah. You know, as, as a, as myself, I was a football coach for a long time and it's funny because PJ and I have, have very similar paths. You know, I, I went into teaching. I was a sixth grade social studies teacher, um, was a football coach and stuff for a long time. You know, PJ obviously quick jump made the transition, you know, and it took a much different path, but man, yeah, being a football coach myself, it's like, I remember those days of like coming home and how do you, how do you shut it off and how do you mentally check out from it sometimes, you know, whether it was in season, out of season, doesn't, doesn't matter. Yeah. It's yeah. It's hard to do. Yeah. I always tell him that. And I try to give him the benefit of the doubt sometimes that I'm all day long. He's in charge of a major organization. And I know, it's got to be hard when he gets home. I'm like, okay, when you get home, like you hang up the whistle. You're, you're a teammate when you get home. You're not, a, you're not, I don't work for you. I don't play for you. Like when you get home, you're a teammate. And I know that's got to be such a hard transition. And it's, it's, he's really good at it, but there's times he struggles with it because, you know, there's days that he's a fixer, right? So there's days that I tell him, you know, what's going on. And sometimes I don't need him to fix anything. I just need him to listen. Mm-hmm. And I know that's got to be, it's got to be such a hard transition for, men in general, but men in that position where that's, that's what he does all day long is he fixes things and 
he coaches and leads and that's what he is just used to doing. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think it's, it's tough for anybody in that position, you know, male, female, sports, business, you know, it doesn't matter when you're, when you're a super high level visionary in charge of a lot of people, you know, I mean, I've, I've become accustomed to working with those types of people. I mean, in the business coaching and stuff that I do, you know, so you realize, you know, I always call them squirrels. They're squirrels. They're all over all the time. Their minds are everywhere, all over the place. And it's like, just give me 30 seconds of focus, please. You know, just give me 30 seconds of focus. And it's funny because I've started to become a squirrel and my wife even calls me out on it sometimes too, you know, but um, yeah, not the it's easiest thing to that. do. It's funny you say that because I call him that all the time. Oh. <laughs> it's a joke. I'll be talking to him and all of a sudden and I'll go squirrel. And he's like, sorry. <laughs> I love it. So oh, funny. Well, take us back, Heather. You you mentioned, you know, you grew up in Kalamazoo, obviously, where PJ came to coach for Western Michigan and such. Um, when when did you guys uh, first meet? I know you said your business was involved. With, were you guys a, a booster or a donor toward Western Michigan? Um, I was not. The, my, my company was. Um, yep. So I worked at a company, a, a car dealership. I did sales and marketing for a couple of years before I had met him. And um, there's always the first game of the season where it's called Com University and it's everybody and it's like tents on the baseball field and everybody kind of congregates before the game. And it's like the home, it's like the tailgate party for the home opener. So I was always involved in that as far as like helping set that up and things like that. And um, he was just somebody, you know, it was right down the street. Um, when he first got there, he uh, year one, he was, I didn't know much about him. He was kind of, I'd see him on the news. I'd see him, you know, and, and it functions. He spoke at a lot of the things that I would go to. He spoke to our company. I really didn't know who he was. I just knew of him. Um, and then right after year one, you know, he came out with this row the boat and I was like, man, this guy's going to be awesome. Like he's super energetic. This is just with this town because Western Michigan football has never been super exciting. You know, you've got mm -hmm. Michigan and Michigan state and within two hours and that's where people would go to football games. Nobody really cared about Western Michigan football. So when he first came in, I was like, man, this guy's going to really, he's going to do awesome things here. This is exactly what this town needs. So I watched him go through year one, kind of from afar, you know, watched games and went to a few games and the guy went one and 11. And I was like, man, this town, is, you know, everybody wanted to throw him out of the boat, hit him in the head with an oar. I mean, nobody was on board with this row the boat thing. Nobody. And then he got divorced. Then as he went through a very public divorce as far as, you know, here's this new football coach and he's getting divorced and, um, my boss at the time kept trying to set us up and he was like, you know, PJ's, PJ's going through a divorce, blah, blah, blah. I think that, I think you need to ask him out. And I was like, no way. Am I asking out the one in 11 divorced head football coach? Like, no way. Come on, Heather. And, yeah, no way. So then he would go to PJ and he's like, I got this girl for you. She's perfect. Like you guys are so alike. You'll love her. You, you know, you got to ask her out. And PJ's like, I am the one in 11 divorced head football coach. He's like, no way am I asking anybody out. He's like, I can't take any more rejection. And, you know, it kind of just got to be, I kind of knew of him and, and, and I'd see him and went in passing and with throughout our, our companies. And he, uh, I finally just went to his office one day and I, I told him to get in the car and he's like, what do you mean get in the car? And I said, get in the car, we're going to dinner. And we went to Grand Rapids, which is, Close enough, but far enough away where not everybody knew who he And at that time, not everybody knew who he was outside of Kalamazoo. 
So we went to Grand Rapids. We went to dinner, and we never spent a day apart after that. It's 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 not a, like a, a wow. great like um, fairy tale story, but it was when you know you know. And we we had one dinner, and and the rest is history. <laughs> hmm, that's cool. That's really cool. I love I love the initiative that you took, Heather. <laughs> I did. You know, I figured. I, you know, I was divorced. I'd been divorced for a few years, and um, was really into just my my focus was my son and my job. And I was like, for someone, for me to have any interest in anyone, someone's going to have to literally like fall out of the sky into my lap. Mm-hmm. And you know, some, just everything about his energy. I was very drawn to him as far as just his drive and his passion and his enthusiasm. And just, I mean, he's so charismatic. He's, he just so, and there's no one between either you love him or you hate him, but it's hard not to go one way or the other. And he, I just, I, I watched what he did and, you know, I, I felt bad for him too. The first year it was like, I watched, I, I knew what he was trying to do and what he was trying to accomplish. And I watched people try to really take him off that. And he never did. You know, he, he never, he never came off his row. He never wavered from what his mission was and he just kept going. And, and I loved that about him. So give us, give us a little bit of behind the scenes. I mean, how does he handle negativity like that? Like you said, that first year at Western Michigan was really tough. Uh, this last year at Minnesota, I mean, it was it was another tough season too, right? I mean, especially after the previous year, I mean, yeah. of only one one loss, two losses, whatever it was. Um, how do you how do you guys? I mean, not just PJ, but I mean, how do both of you handle that negativity? I mean, how do you guys deal with it? How do you how do you work through it? You know, he's a lot better than I am. I, I'm very fiery, and I'm 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 pretty quick tempered as far as like if and I'm and I'm emotional. You know, everything everything negative about him hurts my feelings where he's got way thicker skin. You know, he'll, he'll let it roll off his shoulders. And I guess with, with PJ, it depends on where it's coming from and, and what it affects. You know, there's, there's the Twitter world, which is a bunch of opinions that don't matter. And we understand that. But then if, when he starts seeing people like, you know, Jerry kill, who was a huge role model for him mm-hmm. or people that he really admires saying negative things about him, it bothers him. I mean, he'll never show it publicly, but he is still a human being. Um, but he's just way better about it. You know, he's a, he's a, a live and learn kind of guy and he's really good at just moving forward and kind of letting the, the small things roll off his, roll off his back. Um, and we always talk about him, you know, he doesn't really talk about things like that to anybody but me and maybe Garrett, his, his general manager. Um, but that's also part of his job. He's so used to it. You know, there's, PJ never lets the highs get him really high and he never lets the lows get him really low. And I've always said that, you know, stay humble in the highs and hopeful in the lows. And he's so good at that. He's, he's, I learn from him every day. Um, I mean, he, he definitely, I won't say that things don't bother him when, when people say things that aren't true um, or people say things that he has no control of that can affect recruiting. I mean, of course that bothers him because then he's got to regroup and think about how he, has to get you know his his number one job is to coach football and lead these young men and now he's he's going to put out a fire about something about some rumor or something that's not even true mm-hmm. so he handles everything in stride he's he's one of those guys that there's there's so many moving parts all the time and he, he's just he's a well-oiled machine he just knows how to handle it yep so I wanna I wanna go back to Western Michigan days and I I want to dive into the row the boat uh the whole mantra of it. So take us take us through. I know there's there's a very 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 deep meaningful story behind row the boat where it comes from with with one of PJ's um, 
I believe it was PJ's son, right? Um, but take yep. us through kind of where the whole mantra started and um, really what you guys are doing with it now, because it's really, really awesome. I mean, how big it's become and what it really stands for now. So it started February 9th, 2011. He, he lost his second son at birth to a heart condition. Um, obviously, this was before me, um, he and his ex-wife. And it was, it was one of those things that they knew throughout the pregnancy that, you know, he wasn't going to make it. And they spent a lot of time in the children's hospital trying to think of, you know, trying to see if there was surgeries he could have. And um, spent, just spent a ton of time with the, the hospital, like getting to know children's hospitals. And PJ even did that as a, as a player. Um, doing hospital visits like our players do. Um, and he knew when he lost Colt that he wanted to always honor his name and never let his legacy die. Um, and it was something he kind of just kept in the back of his mind for years. And he knew that if he ever became a, became a head coach, at the time he was working for Greg Schiano, and Greg Schiano's mantra was, you know, keep chopping at Rutgers. And PJ loved that, just that, you know, if you if you keep chopping at the, at the tree, eventually it'll fall. Mm-hmm. And he wanted something that could affect something he can make a, a charity out of and something he could do to honor Colt's name. And he kind of just tucked it away. And when he got to Western Michigan, he brought it out and he didn't really, sh- at first he didn't really share what it was about. He just would tell you that this is what it, and it's evolved so much, but it's two things. It's, it's to bring awareness to children's hospitals and to honor them. And then to also keep Colt's name alive. And when I first met PJ, you know, he, he had brought it out year one and it didn't go so well. When you, when you bring out this new slogan and this new mantra that has nothing to do with a Bronco and nothing to do with, you know, this, the school itself, it's very easy to, to mock and poke holes in. And, and even if you don't know the backstory, and even if you did, people, you know, people knew where it came from and still mocked it. And when I first met him, he was, you know, he was going through his divorce. He had just gone one and 11 and he was ready to give up on the boat. He's like, maybe, you know, maybe it is stupid. Maybe it's not going to work. Maybe I shouldn't do this. And when you, when you put something very personal out there and you subject yourself to the scrutiny of it, it's, it's hard. It's hard to listen to the criticism. And, and I told him, I, when I first met him, I was like, you know, do you believe in it? And he's like, yeah. I'm like, then you keep going. It doesn't matter what people say. Like you keep going with what you, because he was ready to quit on the boat. And I said, you keep going with it. I think it's brilliant. I think that it could be huge. Mm-hmm. And he just, I mean, he kind of stuck to what his plan was. And of course, once you, once you turn a program around, once you win, everybody wants to row the boat. Everybody was on board <laughs> with it. The, truth, I mean. yeah. and it, the second year. So he went eight and five, his second year, um, eight and five, his third year. And then the fourth year is when it really hit. And, and he told everybody that, you know, year one is the dig year two is you pour the foundation year three is the walls. Like there's all these things to he references building a house. And he told them year three and year four, this seems to be really good. Like I know the recruits that are coming in here. I know what it's going to be. And when, when this little old Mac will beat two big 10 teams to start, start the season, they knew they had something special. Um, and bro, the boat just took off. You know, we did a ton with the, the children's hospital at in Western Michigan at Bronson, you know, the players did hospital visits. We didn't have a fund at that time, but everything row the boat. Like what people need to understand is that we don't, we don't benefit from row the boat. We don't, there's no monetary value that we get from row the boat. Everything. Now we own the slogan. Um, we own the, the rights to it, but everything that we would get, every proceed goes directly into our flex family fund at Masonic. 
And even at Western Michigan, there was a fund that it went into. We never made any money from Mother Boat. It always went to charity. So it, it's just kind of grown and grown. And when we got to Minnesota, we got involved with Masonic and found out what an amazing organization that was. And we're like, how can we make it bigger? You know, I know all the proceeds right now are, we're splitting up between different organizations, but how can we make it bigger? So we have our Fleck Family Fund at Masonic that goes to every, everything sold, row the boat, every we do like a row the boat barbecue. We do a ton of different charity events that benefit this, this fund. And it directly, it doesn't go to the brick and mortar. And I know that's important for a lot of places, but we wanted to directly impact the families and the kids that were there. So, you know, every, every season, uh, five or six players go in weekly to the hospital and do these bedside visits with, with the players. They get a little row the boat bag. They get a card that's got, you know, explains what row the boat is. They get a captain's coin, which is really cool, a compass coin, a little oar, like all the row the boat things. And these kids really feel part of the team. Um, and then our fund is to support, you know, a date night. How many parents are at these hospitals that are there for months and months and months and they never get to get out? Mm-hmm. And we yeah. want to make sure that families know that they're that's important. You know, it's important for you to connect with each other and to have a date night. So this fund provides these gift boxes for the families that provide date nights and dinner and things like that. And it's, it's grown into something that we never, we never even imagined. I think we both knew it could be very big, but we've made it since we've been in Minnesota and we've had the resources and we've had the people that have been able to really impact it a ton. And it's even now, you know, I've got a clothing line that I've, I collaborate with unreal. I collaborated with a company called Fangirl love your melon and everybody that we collaborate with has another, another source, another platform. And it's another way to raise awareness and to bring, to bring the row the boat energy and to bring the row the boat passion and the row the boat mantra into, into another segment of that person's life. There's a million people that are huge row the boat fans that are not football fans. And that's our goal. Our goal is even if you're not a football fan, you can be a fan of what this culture and what this mantra can do for your life. Yeah, it's it's absolutely awesome. Exactly like you said right there, Heather, you hit the nail on the head. Um, it goes way beyond football, which is so, so cool. You know, whether you're a football fan or not, I mean, just what it stands for. So I know I know there's kind of like three pieces to it, right? You have the oar stands for something, the boat stands for something, and then the water, I believe, right? The oar, the boat, and the compass. Okay. Yep. The compass. That's what it was. Yep. So the ore is the energy. The ore is the symbol of strength and purpose. Um, It's what you bring to your life. There's nothing else that can move a boat besides the ore. The ore moves the boat. If you take your ore out, you stop. If you keep your ore in the water, you keep going. Um, It's the energy. The boat is the sacrifice. So PJ says, what are you willing to give up for something that you've never had? The more you give, the more you serve, which is what Row the Boat is all about, serving and giving. The more you give, the more you serve, the bigger your boat gets. And then the bigger your boat gets, the more you can actually influence people. And it's, it's not just about the, the message. It's about the messengers. Um, and the compass is the direction set by the leader, um, and it's where you're going. And PJ always uses the analogy with his players. It's who you surround yourself. It's the people. It's where you're going. You know, when you row a boat, you're back to the future. And, and your your faces to the present, so you can't change the future. You can or in the or you can row in the present, and you can the only thing you can do with your past is learn from it. And he always says to players, you know, your your compass is who you surround yourself with. If you surround yourself with turds, you're going to go to Turdville. If you surround yourself <laughs> with elite people, 
you're going to be an elite person. So those are the, the three parts. Um, and like I said, it's evolved so much over the years, but that has never changed as far as the aura is the energy, the boat is the sacrifice, and the compass is the direction. Yeah, I love it. I, I know PJ was actually in um, West Fargo here this summer um, speaking at the lights over there, and it was an amazing event. It was a huge crowd, um, and he spoke on just the row the boat mantra, breaking down the pieces, like you said, and then he, he also dove into the analogy of culture and the house building analogy, which I absolutely love of, you know, that, like you said, the first year is the dig and stuff. Um, but it was extremely inspiring. I mean, listening to that guy, the energy that he brings, um, you know, when he's, you know, you know, a guy has energy and is motivating when he's sitting there at a table with someone and within 10 minutes, he's up and pacing the stage back and forth as he was speaking. <laughs> And uh, yep. yeah, I, I know it was a extremely popular event. I think he said it was his first time over in North Dakota, if I believe, if I remember. It was. It was. I, I remember that too. I, it's, it's funny, the people that ask me, because I handle a lot of his speaking stuff, and people will ask me for his engagements, you know, what does he, does he want a podium? Does he want a mic? And I'm like, oh gosh, whatever you have that's wireless and like a runway for him, <laughs> because he will not sit still. He'll, he'll walk in pace, like give him a lapel mic and let him walk the floor because that's what he's going to be. He, he won't sit still. Don't put him in a table. Yeah, I love it. I love it. So let's let's talk a little bit, Heather, about, I mean, just how do you guys handle all of it? Because, I mean, man, you guys have uh, a little bit of a Brady Bunch. I mean, some kids coming from both sides and such and bouncing between Michigan and the cities. Um, how do you handle it, Heather? I mean, as a busy mom, I mean, PJ being a busy dad, um, how do you guys balance it all? You know, I think that's been the hardest part. Divorce is hard for anybody, right? So when you're blended, it makes things difficult as it is. When you're a head football coach, your life is crazy. And and the the life of a coach is beyond what people can even imagine as far as how much you're gone and how much you're you're on the road and recruiting and games and just just in the office. I mean, there's days that PJ, usually during training camp, PJ's in the office at five in the morning and they're there till 10, 11, 12 o'clock at night. So when you throw in blended family and then three separate states, so we've got my son who goes back and forth from here in Michigan and PJ's three are back and forth between here and Missouri. So we have this crazy triangle and, you know, my job is to make sure that I handle everything outside of football so that PJ can focus on football. And there's days that it is a logistical nightmare because you're working with, with two different states, three different states, two different families, four different schedules, six different schedules, because you've got, you know, the, the parent schedules, our schedule, the kids' schedules, and, and everybody's different. And now the kids are getting older. You know, you've got baseball and cheerleading and gymnastics. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those things that we just thank God we have, you know, PJ, PJ's ex-wife and I get along great. We're, we've become great friends over the years. Um from the very beginning, I think that she, you know, I told her it, it didn't matter what the situation was. We've taken a very non-ideal situation and made it ideal because we put the kids first. We've made the, the focus the kids. And no matter what we ever think of each other or whatever transpires between each other, those kids will never feel that. And they never have. Um, and we're just very lucky to, to have what we have as far as being able to do it. You know, we, we, you can only get them on weekends. You know, you can't take them out of school for a week at a time. Like when they were younger, we were able to get them for a week here and there. Um, when we were in Michigan, my son lived with us full time. 
Um, and it's just one of those things that you just, you make it work. PJ has a schedule typically a year in advance. So his schedule is pretty easy to work around. Um, and then both sides between my son and, and his kids, it's, we just make it work. And I don't know how else to, there's no set schedule. You know, we get the kids, uh, uh, whenever the weekends that we can, when they don't have something going on, you know, game in season, we get them for home games. Um, we get them for the entire summer. We get them for their winter breaks, their, their Easter breaks, whenever we can get them that they're out of school. And we make a really valiant effort to make sure that we get there for their baseball games and their cheer competitions. So, you know, the girls just had a cheer competition in Kansas city last weekend and we jumped on a plane, went there for the afternoon and came back in the, in the evening. So, it's just something that you, you make work it's, and it's not ideal and it's not easy, but it's just what our life is. And it's, it's what we've, what we've just become accustomed to. Yeah. I, I absolutely have to commend you guys on, especially, especially when you touch on the piece about just the relationships with, um, with ex-spouses and things. I think that's really, really neat because it is at the end of the day, man, it is all about the kids, you know, and their experience and, and how they view parents and, you know, um, exes, new spouses, whatever it may be. So I think that's, I think that's pretty awesome, Heather, how you guys handle that as far as, um, how you all get along pretty well, um, and, and prioritize the kids and put them first and foremost. So. Yep. They're, they're what matters. So we can, we're all adults and and we can put all our differences aside and, and our focus is to just co-parent the best we can between three households and, to be honest, we've done it amazingly for the past six, seven years. It's it's pretty incredible how seamless the transition has been between house to house and how well we all co-parent and how well we make the schedules work. And it's sometimes I think it's too good to be true, but it's just, it's what we've made it. It's, it's, it's definitely not easy and, and it's definitely not ideal, but it's, I tell you what, for us, it's, it's worked out really well. Yeah, it's like anything. You put you put the energy, the focus, and the time into it, and um, and good things will come from it. So, yep. well, I want to touch. I want to touch on one other item, Heather. Too. I know um, that you mentioned. You know, just the whole transition of you know working at a car dealership. All of a sudden, you meet PJ. You know, boom, his his popularity grows and grows and grows, and then boom, all of a sudden, you're off to Minnesota. Um, tell me just a little bit about how, you know, I know you've had some realizations around, you know, your worth is not defined by a paycheck, you know, of just finding, finding deeper meaning in what you're doing um, more than the money you're making or anything like that. So touch on that a little bit just for the audience as, as far as how, just some, like I said, just some of the realizations that you've maybe really come to through this whole process. You know, I think that's been the biggest hurdle that I've had to overcome. Um I've always been very independent. You know, I played three sports in high school. I worked on the weekends. Um, my parents were divorced and I stayed with my dad when I was young. So my parents divorced when I was 12. I stayed with my dad and because my mom moved out of the school district, which was kind of hard as it was. But my dad taught me my work ethic. My dad was a, a guy who hadn't missed a day of work in 30 years. Um, and I, I always had that, even from a very young age. And I worked when I was 16, 17, 18. I went to school. Um, when I got out of school, you know, I went to, to a community college for a while. Then I went to Western Michigan University. I worked my whole time through that. Um, and, you know, I moved out at 17 years old, and I always provided for myself. Now, I was married before, um, and when I got divorced, it was I was on my own again. And it was I took a lot of pride in knowing that I didn't need any help 
I didn't need help financially. I didn't need help mentally. I didn't need help physically. I had it. You know, I had a really nice house in Matawan, Michigan. Um, I took care of my son. I worked full time. And my position was, was just mine. I only had to worry about myself. And people knew who I was based on my customer service and my business skills and the things that I did in the community. And I think that I always valued my independence and my worth based on the fact that I, I provided for myself. So when I first met PJ, you know, I, I worked for another year or two. And then when we realized that, you know, I need to be available and now we've got kids in another state that we need to, to get back and forth. Like that was my main job. And I think it took me a long time to realize like what my purpose was. Cause even in at Michigan, you know, I still had, I was so involved in football. I was at practice every day. I, I knew every player, every girlfriend, every pet, every parent. I was very involved and I still am very involved. Um, but that was kind of, and I had my son full time. He lived with us. And then the St. Louis kids, you know, we would get every other week because none of them were in school yet. So my job was to one, coach the coach, but I was still a full time mom and I still had my own thing. I still had things that I was able to do within that community as far as, you know, any charitable philanthropic things. When we got to Minnesota, I was like, okay, now, you know, we came in the middle of the year. So my son decided to stay back and finish school. PJ's kids have always been in St. Louis um, and will probably continue to be in St. Louis for school. And then Gavin, my son was going to decide, you know, we, we let, he was old enough to where we let him decide my entire family's in Michigan. You never know the volatility of coaching and are we going to be here for two years? Are we going to be here for 10? And we kind of let him make the decision if he wanted to move or not. So once he wasn't with us full time and I didn't know anything here, I think I, I, I struggled the first year cause I'm like, what is my purpose now? Mm-hmm. Am I just a stay at home coach's life? Like, is that, is that my purpose? Um, and that was really hard for me. I'm a very, very independent, strong willed person. And that took a lot for me to accept that that was my role. But I also realized that in any marriage there's sacrifice, right? And I could have this career and I could do, I could go back to work full time and do this. And PJ and I would just be shipped in the night. You know, we'd, we'd pass each other in the hallway. There'd be no, there'd be no unity. And I know that his dream is not that his is bigger than mine or mine's bigger than his, but I know the vision that PJ has. And I was willing to give up any dream I've ever had before PJ for PJ. Cause in turn, I've made his dream, my dream. And even with row the boat, you know, row the boat was something that, that he started before me and I've been able to, to take it as my own and build on it and make it bigger. And I take a lot of pride and a lot of ownership in row the boat. And, you know, I'm, now I'm, I'm finally after four years, I feel like I'm so involved in the community and I'm so, I, I know my purpose now, you know, when Noah Hickox is um, a player on our team, when Noah's aunt dies, he calls me and says, I need you to take me to get a suit. You know, when, when Shannon Brooks is going through things and calls me and needs help, when somebody on the team has a girlfriend issue and they call Mama Fleck, like, that's my purpose. Now, I have four kids. We have four kids together, but I have 130 kids every year on that football team. And I'm, you know, <laughs> now I'm it. on the board with the Ron McDonald House. We do a ton with Masonic. We do a ton in the community. And I think that transition was, was probably the hardest thing I've ever done to, to step back from being very independent and defining myself by a paycheck to accepting that I have worth without a paycheck with my name on it. 
So really it was more, it was more so when I, I like how you said, you know, it was kind of like giving up your dream to live PJ's dream, but really it wasn't so much that it was really just about redirection of purpose. Correct. That's a great way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. In, in, interesting. Cause yeah, I, th I think a lot of people do struggle with that at, at, at lots of different moments in their life, you know, of, uh, whether events happen, um, you know, or people come and go in your life or, or whatever may happen. Um, you know, I think sometimes we're put in that position of feeling like, man, we're, where you've lost our purpose at times, or my purpose has been redirected here or there. And, and we really struggle with that until we, until we really kind of, I, to me, you have to take a really deep dive into yourself and really figure out what you're about, what's important to you, what are your values, you know, because you can, you can create the value and find purpose in anything, you know, anything that you're passionate about. And, um, I think you got to really know yourself and, and know what's important to you though, to, to be able to do that. Yep. And what I've learned about myself and what I've always known about myself, but I've, I've learned more so being here is that what's important to me is people and the well-being and the development of people. And, you know, PJ is a sixth grade social studies teacher at heart. He's, he's a football coach by default because he loves football and that's what he does, but he's a teacher at heart. So mm -hmm. being a football coach gives him that platform to, he doesn't just teach X's and O's. I mean, there's, there's a million guys out there that can coach football, but, but don't teach a culture and don't develop young men. Like I have watched numerous kids that were really going down the wrong path that probably wouldn't have resulted into much in life without the program and without PJ and without those coaches. And, I think that just being a part of that has made me realize that that's, that's my purpose. My purpose is, is being a, a mom to 130 college football guys and being a mom to a community and, and being a part, a member of the community where I can serve and give and help. And it's kind of, you're right. It is a, it is a redirection of purpose, but it's hard to find that in the beginning until mm -hmm. you really get into it. And now that I'm into it, I'm like, okay, this is, this is where I'm supposed to be. And watching what PJ does is just, he's so inspiring. I mean, he inspires me daily and I just, I adore everything about him, but watching him do what he does behind the scenes, the, the things that not everybody gets to see, people see him on the sideline and people see him on game day and people see him on interviews, but they don't see the behind the scenes of the players in his office that, you know, don't have a dad that he's a dad to. And they don't see the, the team meetings that are about, about culture and about just being a better human being outside of football. It's not just about football. It is his program is a life program. And there is not one person that goes into that program that doesn't come out a better person in the end. Yeah. There's, there's no truer statement. Yeah. I, I remember when I used to coach football, two parents would ask me, you know, Oh, Hey, what do you expect on the season? And you know, you give them the answer they want to hear like, Oh yeah, we hope to make playoffs or we hope to reach this certain amount of wins or whatever. But you know, I, I used to tell people too, like, Hey, ask me in 15 or 20 years, you know, ask me when I see what these guys are doing as parents and contributing back to their community and what kind of spouses they are, you know, cause that ultimately tells the kind of job that I did as a coach. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. And that's so true. And there's, there's so many kids that we watched that even at Western Michigan that came into the program that were troubled or needed help or just were had hung out with the wrong crowd or and it's like you look at them now and they're they're either playing in the NFL or their dads or they're you know 
amazing members of society and doing great things in the community or have great jobs and in business. And it's, it's truly incredible to see. And every year it's, you get a chance to do it again. Every year you have a new class that comes in and you have a new set of faces that you can influence and, and change and develop. And the development part is incredible to me. Like, and the way mm-hmm. that PJ keeps everything, you know, every year there's a different theme. There's, it's not just the, the guys that are there for four or five years don't get the same thing over and over for four or five years. Every year it's something different and it keeps it new and exciting. And it's, it's truly incredible to be part of. That's awesome. Oh, love it, Heather. Well, what's, what's the next big thing for the flex or uh, go for football? You know, I don't know what the next big thing is. We're all, we're kind of waiting. This, this 2020 year has been kind of crazy between obviously COVID and social injustice and, a lot has changed just in the dynamic of society. Um, but, I mean, we're waiting to see if we're going to be able to have butts in seats this year. So that that's a good thing. I'm really hoping and praying that we will. Um, I can't imagine getting all the way to September and, and still not having people in stadiums, but mm-hmm. we will see. Um, we've got a great recruiting class that just came in, the best that Minnesota has ever seen. So um go for footballs on on the rise that's every say this every year but we've got a pretty good team this year and it's going to be exciting to watch yeah i know i know i'm definitely excited to see the progress uh continue to be made so well heather i want to thank you so much for being on the show today i know you had some uh phenomenal insight on uh just being in the public eye uh as far as great lessons around sacrifice and um and really just finding greater purpose so where can our listeners find you heather um and also the row the boat brand uh, I'm actually in the process right now. I, I've got, I don't do a lot on social media. Um, my, my Instagram account kind of goes up and down. Um, you'll, you'll find that during the season, I am like nowhere to be found. Um, <laughs> anyone can always email me at hflex10 at Gmail. Um, I do have a Facebook account and an Instagram account and a Twitter account. Um, I think all of them are Heather, Heather Marie Fleck. Um, I will tell you, I don't check them very often. It's, it's probably a weekly, monthly thing. Twitter, hardly ever, especially during the season. Um, but I'm also in the process of we are working on a Row the Boat website. So hopefully in awesome. within the next few months, we've got a, a general place where everyone can go to kind of see what's happening, um, what is for sale. Um, there may or may not be a book on the horizon coming out. Um, all of our apparel are on the unreal line. My, my plan is to have this website be just a, a general landing point for everybody. If you want, you know, speaking engagement requests, um, where you can donate a link to Masonic, a link to Ronald McDonald house. Um, that should be very soon. But other than that, I'm, I'm pretty accessible by email. Um, and again, if you, if you reach out to me on social media, I will, I will check it at some point. (laughs) Awesome, and we'll make sure we'll make sure in the show notes and links that we get to all your uh, partners posted in there as far as kind of where where our audience can find uh, the roll the boat here. So, okay, awesome. Well, thanks again, Heather. And uh, with that, everybody, don't forget to follow me on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook uh, at Patrick Metzger Coaching. Thanks so much for tuning uh, tuning into this episode uh, with Heather Fleck, and be sure to subscribe to Rate the Podcast. Um, like I said, show notes can be found on my website at patrick-metzger.com. We'll be able to drop all of Heather's links in there for everybody. And uh, be sure to take a screenshot of today's show. Make sure you tag myself, Heather, PJ, row the boat, um, hashtag it, share it with somebody that needs to hear today's message. So until next time, I want to remind you to own you and the journey.